Are you gay? Geeky? Just enjoy hearing your good Judy's dish about the latest in pop culture? Well, then you're in luck. The boys of Flame On are here for you. In every episode, we discuss the topics that entrance us. Whether it's comics, TV, movies, drag queens, or video games, we've got you covered. So, if you're ready for your gay and geeky slice of pop culture life, then sit back and get ready to Flame On! Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. What's going on, everybody? Patrick Beard here, and we are back again. It is the month of April in the year 2023. Dear Lord, where is this year going already? I feel like I blinked and I went from January to the end of April or middle of April. I mean, something like that. But I am here being joined. We have a full cast of characters today to talk about pop culture. Joining me from the West Coast, we've got Brian. Hello, hello. Back from a uh, stint overseas and curling and all the things that he was doing. And now back with us on the podcast over in the southeast. Yes, I didn't do my little compass map in my head. We have got BJ. Hi. And Eric. Hello. And if I didn't say it, joining you from the Midwest, I'm Pat DeBear. Nice to meet you all. We are here, we are queer, and we are about to talk about pop culture. We have a couple of different topics we're going to be sharing with y'all. We have a couple of one-ups that we are going to share. These are the things that are giving us life this month. And uh, yeah, let's go ahead and jump into the topics. Lots to cover today. So since you are rejoining us after the last couple of episodes being away, Brian, why don't you kick us off with the first topic for this month? All right. So I just finished season three of The Mandalorian. I want to tell you about it, but I also know that nobody else on the show has started the season, at least, right? No. I have not started season three. Last, I saw um, season two watched, and a half. Yeah, that was the last thing I saw mm-hmm. was the best part of Book of uh, Boba <laughs> Fett, which was the Mandalorian episode. Um, episodes. I will. It was like a three episode arc. Yeah, it was, <laughs> yeah. It was like it was like a third of the. <laughs> Seriously, it was, the it was like, season. The best it, part of this season. The, the best part, to be clear, and also the weirdest. Like, why are we oh, okay? Uh, it, it made sense eventually, but it was still kind of odd. So, I mean, Migna Wen was in all of it. So, honestly, she is yeah. the best part of the book of Boba Fett. Oh, she's great. 
They just didn't do anything with it. Anyway, we're not reviewing Book of Boba Fett. We've probably bitched about that. I will talk about Mandalorian. We have season three of Mandalorian. I have read some interesting reviews of it overall this season. It's a little uneven at times as far as like reactions. It is not doing the thing that you may have expected it to do, or rather it may be doing the thing that you expected it to do a lot quicker than you expected it to do. Because as you may remember, especially if you saw that uh, Boba Fett stuff, the uh, Din Djarin, the Mandalorian, the titular Mandalorian, has fallen out of favor with the uh, Children of the Watch, which is a religious sect of Mandalorians that does not take they do not take their helmet off, and they follow very traditional Mandalorian practices. Well, at the end of that little thing, he he and Grogu kind of like they did this thing. Well, well, Grogu came back, which we we know obviously. So uh, that that presume continued their little uh, father son. Lone Wolf and Cub Adventure. Uh, they saved Boba Fett. Of course, they did all that good stuff in, in that show. And it sort of reset the stage for season three, where Jin, uh, or Din rather, has to redeem himself by bathing in the waters of Mandalore, of uh, the mines of Mandalore. And he obviously has some unfinished business with, like, you know, the Mandalorian uh, trying to retake their homeworld, Bo Katan, the Darksaber, Gideon. Moff Gideon, all of the things. And that's what's preceded it over the last two seasons. So without going into, again, specific spoilers, I will just say this series, this particular season of the series, it does quite a lot. There are moments that are amazing. There are moments where I actually was kind of cringing because it felt like it was a really shitty Star Wars, uh, Star Trek episode. Uh I kind of mean that as a pejorative, by the way, as far as being a Star Trek episode. But I do love Star Trek, so don't 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 call don't call me out. Don't send me hate mail or anything. Cancel um, what? <laughs> I say cancel him. I, yeah, cancel him. Fine, I've already been canceled. Um, however, let me just talk about some highlights, things that you can look forward to. Um, we get some Mythosaur action, which do you all know what the Mythosaur is? Okay. Vaguely. <laughs> so the mythosaur is that weird, like tusked symbol that uh, Den has on his crest, and it's like his house, and it's it's tied back to a real George Lucas creation as part of the introduction of Boba Fett, which, if you may recall, was not in episode whatever number uh, Empire. It was actually in the Christmas special, the Life Day special, where there was an oh animated God. segment of Boba Fett riding. A dinosaur-like uh, creature oh with these tusks. God. That's the mythosaur. So the fact that they have found a way to take that obscure and false-started little piece of continuity and weave it in in certain ways is fascinating. Um, God. But that's what this season is. Honestly, what I think um, the requirements of this season was to obviously keep telling amazing stories about Dan and Grogu. However try to knit together pieces of the prequels and the current uh, like post uh, regular Star Wars continuity and kind of point the way towards where things are going in this like current like incarnation and things uh, stories like Ahsoka or whatever but then also like distantly point towards the new the new the new movies so there's a lot of interesting little oh and of course call, call back to Clone Wars all the callbacks to the Clone Wars because of, you know, Bo-Katan and Moff Gideon was in Clone Wars, right? I'm not misremembering that, right? Mm. Yes? No? Maybe? I don't know. I, I don't 
think so. Okay, that's fine. The Dark Saber and Mo Katan were in the Clone Wars. Yes. Okay. They were. So that this season kind of culminates that story, if you will. It ties all the things together. It it gives in many ways, I will say this, it gives a nice moment that you could either stop making the Mandalorian. So it kind of like puts a bow on it, or you could reset the sort of idea of the Mandalorian to go back to a more focused lone wolf and cub adventure between uh, Din and his, uh, his, uh, his little buddy. So it's both, right? It does both things. It's really well done. Like, like a lot of amazing effects, some cool star Wars lore. Like I said, all of this, all of this lore, all of this stuff knit together. I think some moments that I was a little, uh, not sure about, uh, they do this thing where they go back to, uh, Coruscant for a almost a whole episode and it kind of has a flavor of Andor, but not in a good way, kind of like the uh, part of Andor. Um, and it uh, focuses on a character who they kind of like summarily like drop completely. I was like, Oh, what happened to you? you just, okay. But it was interesting because it kind of like showed Coruscant post Star Wars and da 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 da. Uh, the uh, other thing is, uh, do you know about Lizzo being in this uh, series? Did you guys already know about that? Okay, yeah, so you've seen the pictures. <laughs> yes, I've seen the pictures. <laughs> Come on, how do we not know about Lizzo being in this? Lizzo oh is now a Disney princess. Oh my God, you're right. That's so true. Yep. So I will say I don't have a problem. I love Lizzo. Great, awesome, uh, awesome musician and performer. Lover. As an actress, she did fine. Uh, it's not the problem. That episode is the one that feels like a very Star Trek episode of Star Wars. Like it looks like one. Like honestly, yeah. just with the the costuming and and everything, uh-huh. it it's got it's got that feel. There's a lot of bright blues. Like it doesn't feel like like just from the previous seasons of Mandalorian. I always get this like weird nomad homeless person feeling when I see people traveling in Star Wars because just for whatever reason, I don't see a ship as the home. I see the ship as just the vehicle. So I'm like, these people are homeless. So (laughs) when I see a well put together kingdom or something in the Star Wars mythos or universe, I'm like, I'm like, uh, uh, oh, where, where's every? Does anybody else have a house? Nobody has a house. The Millennium well, Falcon is the it, house. Okay, it kind of like that. That whole idea is partly why the prequels are weird because you see it in a little less disarray for the yes. first one and a half of the movies. I would say this episode is very much the most tied back to prequels in a way. Both, like you said, visually with the bright colors and some of the outfits and some of the honestly kind of shitty CG. Um, but also it involves battle droids in a way that I never expected. And it, it, it battle droids and Christopher Lloyd. It's like, what? It's so weird. It, it, it okay. I'll just spoil this part. So basically Bo-Katan and uh, Din are like, they're like going out looking for people. They're trying to put the tribes back together. The Mandalorians, da, 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 da. And I think they're doing this because the, her old buddies, are like mercenaries now, like the other Mandalorians that ha- they can take their helmet off. So they're looking for them and they're on this whole, this whole planet that we've never heard of. And they go in there and they're like, just trying to go hunt them down and like, get them to come back. And they get sidetracked by this little side quest where they have to go in and basically kind of be like, per- like a procedural. It's it's like a procedural episode set in a very bright and shiny prequel esque world with glaring guest stars like not just one not just two three well-known actors playing different parts and mm, not being the most 
yeah, it, it's it's a it's a it's not a, it's not unredeemable. There's some good stuff in there, but it was really like the like ooh this this is a weird. What are you doing here? Uh, anyway, so that that was maybe Wait, to me the low the point. Third? Uh, Christopher. Oh, Jack Black, Christopher Lloyd. Christopher Lloyd. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, okay. Yeah. Oh, Jack I Black's saw the, fine. There I mean, was a there was a joke on on that I saw online where it was that uh. Doc Brown went too far back in time and ended up uh, the the entire Mandalorian religion, quote unquote, was based because of him be, uh, as a mispronunciation of man in DeLorean. Oh, boom. That's just. Oof. Um, but overall, if that's the low point. It There's a lot of great moments. Like I said, this really does kind of form the. F- third act of a one of, of like a trilogy it's a it's a, a trilogy of seasons and it works thematically against that whole structure so at the end of this you have this moment of okay well we could, again we could stop here we could keep going and and i have no i from what i have read they're not stopping here they're going to keep going and we did find out like this past week that um there's going to be a full-on movie that sort of ties a lot together between mandalorian ahsoka uh, bad batch maybe i don't know some other no not, not bad batch that's set during the clone wars right um yeah but oh uh, no something. bad batch is said after after the clone wars oh uh, so maybe we'll uh, tie that in. uh oh and then that skeleton crew show that jude law is oh, in um yeah rebels rebels because and rebels uh, yeah one of the main villains in rebels is supposed to be in ahsoka is that thrawn i think that's thrawn yeah thrawn so, is so they, supposed to return they did finally name check grand admiral thrawn and to those of us who read the trilogy, the heir to the empire books, that is a pretty big deal. And I know yeah. he's been in, um, he, didn't he show up in clone wars or something? I don't know. I think he, he showed up somewhere. He, oh, he, was Rebels? He, oh. he was name dropped, I think in clone wars. And I think he was, uh, but he was, he was definitely massively important in uh rebels. Okay. He was so, really important in rebels. They're they're tying all of that in. They have the what's his name? It's kind of the Wookie looking kind of creature guy from Rebels. He's in. He shows up at somewhere. Um, so they're just doing a lot to tie together all of this, not miscellaneous, but sort of uh, animated continuity with the current stuff. Which again, it's fine. And if I you're a long time fan, yeah, no, it's great, great stuff. And it doesn't take you out of it. They're not making a big deal about it. But I guess, again, like a little uneven, but overall, a great overall arch. Some badass shit happens towards the end. And uh, now we wait for, I guess, Ahsoka, which is the next of these uh, shows to be released. And from all we've seen recently from that, was it the was it a Star Wars uh, Live or Star Wars Celebration, I think, that had all the so, stuff? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so yeah, from, yeah, the, yeah. from that, we saw an Ahsoka trailer that looks pretty great, too. So, um, And we yeah. got uh, Vision Season 2 drops May the 4th. Oh yeah, the animated uh, yeah. from different creators. Yeah, that looked good too. So, like, if you're a Star Wars fan and you kind of get past some of the whatever stuff that's in there, it's great. It's good. I mean, all of this is still pretty bad, still better than the, the prequels and on par, or maybe a little better than the uh, the new movies. But uh, yeah, Mandalorian season three, I, I would say you should definitely watch it if you're in involved or invested in Star Wars and. And I'm just, uh, yeah, Grogu's still cute. 
he does get a robot body spoiler. That's a little spoiler, but like he becomes Kang. I'm not, I, he becomes Kang. I, he becomes Kang. He does. It's kind of great. Tons of memes all over Twitter involving yeah. screenshots of it. It's 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 a it's a gimmick, and it doesn't last, but it's pretty funny. And what's most funny is the fact that they actually brought Taika Waititi back to do the voice because he has like a like back. Do you remember Tron? And they had that like bit that would only say yes and no. It's kind of like that again. He has a button and he hits yes or no, and it's it's Taika Waititi. So that's that was that was nice. Um, he's not back in any other form. But anyway, so yeah, Mandalorian season three, I would watch it again. Just be ready for some cringy little bits and some odd, odd, odd callbacks and 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 cameos. Before uh, everybody completely throws their podcast listening device. Krang, not Kang. My apologies. Oh shit! Oh no! You forgot the well, R. We, we have the R. We got Kang on the brain. What are you going to do? Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's not talk about Kang. Right I mean, now. canceling oh. Kang is on the brain. Apparently. Well, uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. So we'll see what happens with that. <laughs> Anywho. Yeah, I, I, I'm I a completionist, as I've said many times on the show. Um, and I did enjoy The Mandalorian the first two seasons, so I, I will get around to it. I just, I, I'll, now that it's all out, I'll have more kind of thought to sit down and just watch it. Because that's what's been happening lately. Like, I, I did that with Shrinking. I did that, you know, I've been doing that with some other things where I'm able to just kind of binge watch everything. And there are not a lot of shows as of right now that I'm doing like weekly watches of. So I will, uh, I'll have to go and watch that and check out Lizzo actually on the show and be one of the, the people supporting her and not tearing her down saying that she's not a real fan where she put up a lovely tribute about the fact that her father introduced her to uh, Star Wars as a kid. It was like a rite of passage for her. So she was super stoked to actually be a part of become part of the universe. So that that's, that's great for her. And, you know, uh, this parasocial relationship that I've developed with Liz and being happy for her and all her success. (laughs) All right. So Mandalorian season three, check it out. Streaming all episodes now on Disney plus. And uh, yeah. Uh, Rick, why don't we go to you next? Uh, and uh, why don't you tell us what you're going to be chatting about this month? So, in the past, we've talked about... I think we've talked a bit about Critical Role, and we've talked about Vox Machina a number of times during both seasons. What is so, that? I don't know if you've ever mentioned that. <clears throat> no, never. <laughs> um, so now there's a movie out... Not the same world, but same idea. Dungeons and Dragons. They're doing it again. Um, I don't know if anyone ever saw the early 2000s Dungeons and Dragons. Yes. The infamous one with Jeremy Irons. It's the baddie. Yes. Oh, I saw it. (laughs) I don't remember anything about it, but I saw it. Yes. It's probably better that we have all forgotten anything that happened to that movie. Uh, but this new one's good. Yay. Um, so it's got a lovely cast of characters, uh, as the leads are Chris Pine and Michelle Rodriguez. Um, he, he's a bard 
ish character. I would say I say definitely more more bard than anything else. Yeah, he's I, got a little bit of rogue <laughs> in him. A little bit but... of rogue, but but uh, but mostly <laughs> bard, and it is it is played with beautifully. Yes. Um. So in his backstory, he was kind of a good member of the Harpers, which I I don't really know much about the Forgotten Realms, so I don't know if this is a known group or if it was made up for this movie. But they're kind of good spies and kind of just um, help police the kingdom. Yeah, kind of like keepers of the peace and, and kind of keep an eye out for um, uh, for trouble. I believe they are referenced in... I can't remember which edition, but they are definitely referenced in a, a previous edition of D&D. Yeah. Um, but unfortunately, the result of him capturing a red wizard leads to his wife's death. Uh, so then he's a single father and depressed. But he meets uh, Michelle Rodriguez's character, Barbarian. And they just end up being friends, which is probably the greatest thing this movie does, is that there's no romantic uh, will they won't they kind of thing between the two lead characters yeah she's kind of like a sur- like a surrogate almost like a sister but she's like a surrogate mom to his daughter and i i loved that i love that dynamic where you would you would if this movie had been written like 10 years ago they probably would have ended up having an awkward kiss moment but that 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 thankfully did not happen in this it made me really happy yeah um and they end up to keep themselves in home. They become a little band of thieves and they get a little um, sorcerer friend. And what would you call Hugh Grant's character before? Would he I be would a def- thief? I would, would say a- definitely a thief. I, yeah, I'd say 100%. He, he's, he's, he's like the chaotic evil thief <laughs> i would say well, he's, def- he's definitely chaotic but but yeah no he is 100 i see him as a thief yeah and their band gets hired to raid a harper stronghold um that contains a tablet of reawakening that could bring back chris pine's dead wife um uh, but during the heist two of them get captured in a time stop spell and they're sent to prison for a number of years. Uh, and when they get out, uh, Hugh Grant is apparently king of the kingdom. And uh, they go to get his daughter. And she doesn't really want to be gotten because she thinks he just deserted her. So then they go on a quest and they meet. Um, what's it? How do you pronounce his name? Reggie Jean Page. Uh, oh, uh, Zinek, <laughs> Zinek, <Yeah>. played by <laughs> uh, it's Reggie Jean Page. Yeah, um, yeah. Zinek is probably the in it and he encompassed how much I hate paladins and how much I can't stand it. <laughs> how much how much it makes me clench my ass when I'm playing Dungeons and Dragons, and they're like, somebody's like, I'll play a paladin, and I'm like, for the love of fuck, no, like. Because they are just, they're so, like, generally when you play them, uh, what is it? A lot of people say lawful stupid. And that's exactly how he played he played it. 
That's exactly how he played it, and it was perfection. Um, it yeah, was, yeah. It it reminded me a bit of also Drax in the yeah. first Guardians movie, um, when he actually actually did not get any sort of sarcasm or anything, um, and they hook up with a druid, um, and she's awesome. Um, it goes full uh, owl bear at one point, which is yep. great. I love owl bears. You never go full um, owl bear. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I loved a lot about this movie. It was the quest was good. Um, even though I have never actually played a tabletop D and D game, I recognized. Um, some Easter eggs throughout as far as spells, as far as locations. Um, did you, did you notice the, um, uh, one of the groups in the maze was dressed, was perfectly dressed yeah. up like the characters from the cartoon. Yes. It, it was, was beautiful. Best, um, kind of cameo and they never like specifically said anything about it. They were just kind of there in the background. And if you knew, you knew, and it was it could be them. Like, that's the thing is, they, is yeah. they were just literally thrown into that universe. So it could have been actually those characters, <laughs> which would have been, which I, I like to think of that. And it's, it's hilarious thinking that could have been them. Um, I don't know where I was going to go next. Um, <laughs> Sometimes like a D and D campaign. You never know. Exactly. It just goes off the rails um, because somebody says a word and you're like, oh, something shiny over there. Um, But I would like to see uh, more movies set in this universe. And I think it could go pretty easily. Oh, yeah. Um, Yeah. And it got a great reception with both critics and audiences, uh, which is very heartening. I spoke to friend of the show, Zan Christensen this weekend or last week, actually uh, before, before. Yeah. So it was Wednesday and he had just seen it. I think anyway. Yeah. They loved it. He and his D and D group all loved it. Uh, and they played D and D weekly and they're like, Oh my God, it was this, it was great. It was this. So yeah, I, I think, I mean, it did okay at the box office before the super Mario brothers movie juggernaut descended upon everything in creation. So uh, hopefully that doesn't really count against it, but it uh, I think it did pretty well. Yeah. And in a weird sort of um, six degrees of separation, uh, my physical therapist, one of her friends was actually the stunt double for the Druid in this movie. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, yeah, but. I would definitely rate it uh, four and a half flames is what I would give my flame rating for this. I think it's a lot of fun and you don't really need to have any sort of Dungeons and Dragons history. It's just kind of a fun fantasy movie um, and you don't need to get all the Easter eggs to enjoy it at all. Nice. As I say, I haven't, I've heard, I heard good things about it. I just have not had any desire i've never really been into dnd but it, it's good that the people who enjoy it have gotten a movie that they can go and see and enjoy so 
if you're out there and you are have been on the fence and you haven't seen all of the positive uh reviews take eric's review as that final push out the door and buy yourself some tickets because it is still playing uh limited shows it looks like right now and you know it'll eventually come to streaming so if movie theaters are still not on your your radar then uh check it out when it hits the streaming platforms and that is uh, dungeons and dragons honor among thieves very nice thank you eric bj why don't you go ahead and uh tell us what you will be talking about on this episode so I uh, was recently uh, traveling and I was on the airplane and I was like, what do I want to watch for an hour and like 45 minutes um, and not finish, but continue when I fly back home. Uh, strange war Disney strange world. Um, holy shit. I don't know why this kind of, I know why it slipped through my radar because Disney did virtually no advertising for it. Um, and it just was kind of there and it's gone. Um, yeah, it's a really fun, like it, it, the opening title card is kind of like an old comic book. Um, it, it stars the Clade family, um, which is a family of explorers and it deals with all sorts of things like, you know, familial trauma, um motivation what uh what kind of makes a family a family and it also features like an openly gay character of color you've got ethan clade not ethan not ethan clade jaeger clade uh, they all look alike um you've got jaeger clade who is the you're gonna get canceled the, the comment canceled <laughs> famous uh famous explorer for this uh one little town uh, and it's surrounded by mountains, so everybody's just kind of stuck in their ways and wants to see what's beyond the mountains. So Jaeger is going to be the town hero, uh, brings his son, names his son Searcher, which I, I hate, um, but uh, brings along his son, who is very much not an explorer, but he is kind of a scientist and he knows plants. And then on top of that, you've got Ethan's uh, son, you've got Searcher's son, Ethan. Um, who's openly gay, uh, mixed race. Gabrielle Union plays Meredith, a uh, searcher's wife. And you've got uh, Callisto Mall, who's the head of the town, played by Lucy Liu, um, which I was shocked to find out. But uh, you essentially have uh, Jaeger goes missing. Searcher finds a plant that grants everybody technology, essentially. And uh, technology is the power source for the technology is starting to die off. So he has to reluctantly go on an exploration uh, expedition to find the uh, what's going on with the, the plants power source. So it's, it's kind of, it's like a very simple premise, but it's mostly, it's 100% about the family. Um, it's really, really cute. Uh, Jabuki young white plays Ethan Clade. Um, he is kind of one of the, he was in rough night, um, set it up. Uh, God, he's, he's been in like nothing we watch. So he's relatively still new. Uh, he was, he was featured on an episode of Bob's burgers recently. Um, and he was in the Baymax, uh, Disney plus series. So yeah, he's, he's uh fresh faced. Um, 
it's really cute because he even goes up to his grandfather. His grandfather's like, so are you dating anybody or anything? And he's just like, I knew it. He's like, what's, what's their name? And he's just like, his name is da da da. And I'm, and his grandfather without being without batting an eye gives him terrible dating advice. So it's, it's just treated like, like its own thing. Um, it's, there's no big fanfare about it. It's just treated like any other like storyline involving a teenage boy and a crush he has. Um, so it's, yeah, it's just really nice. The whole film is just cute as hell. Alan Tudyk's the narrator. I'm like, I love how Alan Tudyk just shows up out of nowhere to like voice, like voice a chicken or wait, he's not an animal. No, he's not an animal. I was actually more surprised he wasn't an animal and he was just narrating. That's crazy. Yeah. I thought it was written into his contract to always be um, a non-humanoid uh, thing. Because in Disney stuff, he is an animal. In Star Wars stuff, he is a robot or an android. <laughs> like, he is never a human in these things. No. and uh, Wait, maybe so... the narrator was an animal. It is a strange world, after all. I mean, uh, and there's just... I mean, it, without giving away too much, it it plays on like a whole bunch of themes of the creation of the universe. Um, it's got a ton of sci-fi, like old style sci-fi themes. So like, honestly, if anybody likes old sci-fi, like even cheesy old sci-fi, it is, it is up there. It is, it was wild to me. I was just sitting here watching it. Like, how is this not getting any more like press? Honest, and I th- I feel like they stumbled upon they could do a series of movies like this with almost the same characters or just the same character designs, and then like go from there. So it's a uh, yeah, strange world. It's up on Disney Plus. Uh, it came out when was this? Re- it was released not. It was released. I want to say like three or four months ago. I think it was like late last year, mid to late last year. Yeah, it was like late last year. So uh, it was nominated. Um, uh, what was it? Not, it was nominated uh, for the Black Wheel Awards, Any Awards, Visual Effects Society Awards, International Film Music Critics Award, the Glad Media Awards. Like, yeah, it's it, honestly. It's a Thanksgiving if, movie, November 23rd, 2022. Oh, okay. Yeah. A lot of stuff gets buried in Thanksgiving. So, um, yeah, no, definitely if you, if you've got a rainy afternoon and you just want something to kind of zone out to in the background, it's, 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 it's a good watch. It was, like I said, I, I popped it in on the plane and I was sitting there and when they announced that they, we were landing, I was like, wait, no, I'm not done. And I'm I'm not going to take time out of my trip to watch Disney plus. So I'm going to have to wait till I fly back. Yeah, I heard that it was that it was a good movie. It got no like no Zero. push from Disney whatsoever. Except for like the random once in a while be like, oh, it's Disney's first, you know, openly gay lead, you know, POC, you know, queer lead. And then it was like, oh, what? What movie? When is this coming out? And then the only other thing, and I'm having trouble finding it. Because I, I was trying to have it ready, um, there was some sort of there was some controversy around Jabuki, but I'm oh man, oh, I'm not finding um, I'm not finding it 
quickly enough. But he had posted something, or he was one of the ones that I think. Oh, was he the one that took over, changed his Twitter account, and like posted that like insulin is now free under like from um, Eli Lilly. Oh yeah, I think he was involved with that. Which more power to it? Yeah, because that disrupted a lot of shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There, he was part of that that whole uh, like kind of craziness that was going on during the Twitter everybody the names to companies and buying the um, the check mark. Yeah, I can't find it right now, but I know that he was part of that. So, like, that was the only other thing. Like, around the time that the movie was coming out, like, that popped up on, like, my news feed. And then I was like, wait, what is this movie that he's in? Because I haven't heard of it. But I'm glad that you had a chance to uh, to see it. What would you give it flame rating-wise? Honestly, flame rating-wise, I think I'd get it a, a four out of five. Um, nice. It was it, it, like I said. It uh, like the pacing was fine. Uh, like the story could have been a little better. But honestly, it's got a really, really fun, cute payoff at the end that references a lot of themes on like creation and family and goals. And it's like I said, it's and if you've had any kind of familial trauma with a father figure, let me tell you. <laughs> It, it let me tell you go ahead and just clinch everything because it is gonna it's gonna bring out a baseball bat at some point and one of the issues it's gonna find that it's gonna find that tinder spot <laughs> and it's gonna work it i'm not even gonna lie i was like there was a moment where i was like really mad and then there's a moment where i was like sue i was about to start crying on the plane and i was like okay all right let's Let's take a let's take a two day break from this, and then we'll come back to it when I'm flying back home. Dear Lord, maybe I won't watch that anytime soon, but we'll see. We'll see. Uh, but it's worth. Like I said, it's worth it. It's so freaking cute and endearing, and even though Disney like did virtually no real advertising for it, uh, it's boost its numbers because uh, i was gonna say disney's kind of going through a renaissance with queer content um like with the uh, baymax series and uh uh owl house just ended with its um uh, bisexual lead openly bisexual lead um so yeah please please definitely watch all of the queer disney content because as we know disney is a is a is a capitalistic machine first so the more you watch it the more they'll make it yeah that is that is absolutely true absolutely so that is strange world now streaming on disney plus we have a lot of disney plus content that we're talking about today Well, dear listeners, we are so glad to have you along for the journey that we call this podcast. You can check out all of our content from our website, flameonshow.com. There you can find our multimedia tabs. You can follow us on social media. You can check out our Threadless shop and cop your own Flame On merch. And you can even one click over to our Patreon. Or you can just go straight over to our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash flameonshow where you can join at any one of the four levels that we have and uh, get some exclusive content, get some content uh, early when we release that uh, these episodes early for our patrons. 
and uh, help support the show and help us continue to can keep on doing what we are doing. So those websites, once again, flameonshow.com and patreon.com forward slash flameonshow. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. All right. My topic, final topic of uh, this podcast. Um, I'm going to dive into that in one second. And we are going to do a full uh, Council of the Jameses episode. But... I'm not, that'll still be a couple weeks out afterwards. I want to give a huge round of applause and congratulations to our new next drag superstar, always drag superstar, Miss Sasha motherfucking Colby is the new winner of Drag Race. Gasp. Wow. I mean, were you surprised? I was so surprised. (laughs) I I was so shocked. I wouldn't have wanted to be spoiled, but I basically, I think, because, yeah, we were running around when this this happened this weekend. I was like, okay, just tell me if it's something, like, not obvious. Like, like, or not, but I mean, like, you tell me because I want to know if I should be mad. Because if it wasn't Sasha, I'd be pretty pissed. Yeah. No. Congeniality was kind of, oh. But. (laughs) Oh, <laughs> oh! But I will tell you this: I do. I like the fact that after, wait, season ten was when it started. When it went to a queen's voting, which I think oh, it always should yeah. have been, because these are the girls that are together all day in the workroom. Like they're—I don't want to say that they're together twenty-four-seven because they're you know um, sequestered in their rooms. But for a good chunk of time, it was a fan vote. And the fan vote is, one, skewed by the edit. Because, you know, you could blame it on the edit. But there is an edit. And it does color the way that people are seen on the show. So after Valentino won it. And the cast uh, renamed it uh, in probably the best reunion ever that completely changed how they do reunions from that point on uh because the top four does not talk as much if at all after season nine because uh shea coulee was salty as fuck and it was amazing uh but they renamed it the fan favorite award and then the uh bots tried to give it to the vixen in season 10 and they said nope we're not doing that and they made the queen's vote 
And ever since then, it's been a Queens voted uh, type of thing. But I, I appreciate if they felt that Malaysia was deserving of congeniality, then good for her. And $10,000. I, I will say Mistress almost looked more upset about Malaysia winning congeniality than she did about not getting chosen for the top two. And she looked pissed. She <laughs> not be chosen. <laughs> she looked pissed. <laughs> and then that poor dancer that got hurt when uh, do, doing an Itra stunt with her. So they had to pause the the filming for two hours and re-choreograph everybody's routines and do them over. <laughs> but I will tell you this. I have been... There are random times in my day when I will just go G-O-D-D-E-S-S. This bitch is a goddess. So, good for Sasha Colby. I have one, one question. Was there a live fucking duck on this uh no (laughs) no that's a shame very not animated anitra like she did well but yeah was not the normal but sasha sasha paid homage to her her continental performances one one performance in particular and she actually did the same thing that she did when she won miss continental when she was given her her scepter so it was cute seeing those little homages to it. And we'll talk more about it on a, a separate episode, but just wanted to say this one's coming out first. So congrats, Sasha Colby, on your season 15 win. And we now get all like, what, four weeks off before yes. All-Star starts. <laughs> Thank the Lord. I mean, unless you've been watching Sweden and Belgium. <laughs> and now Espania just started. No. <laughs> so... <laughs> No. I have not watched Sweden or Belgium and um, friend of the pod, Luke messaged me and he's like, I know you guys are going to do a recap for season 15, but can you talk all stars in Espana? And I was like, uh, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm the only one that watches Spain out of the group. So we'll see. I watched the first season, but yeah. Apparently somebody was hanging from the rafters during the talent show in this, the, this first episode. I will watch Spain. I like Spain, but mm-hmm. th- that one's a little tougher to do to do recaps. But a little shout out for Luke, the uh, España. If you have been enjoying it, if you've never watched it, if you haven't watched the international seasons, go check out España. That is one that is actually worth a uh, a viewing and, and see see how you feel about it. Uh, but anyway, so on to my actual topic. This one, if you are a regular listener of the show, will not come as uh, a new thing that has never been mentioned on the show because it was Eric's one-up in our last roundup. I actually, because I swear that I watched something else. I know that I've watched other stuff, but this is what happens over the course of the <laughs> month. I watch things, completely forget about them, and then the day of recording, I sit there and go, what am I going to talk about? So you know what I did today? I took two hours and I watched Tetris. The 2023 film from Apple uh, on Apple TV Plus. And uh, it was it was worth my time. It was a very interesting, very interesting movie. So for those of you who may not know, Tetris is a 2023 biographical thriller film. It's in the wiki description. Uh, Directed by John S. Baird 
written by Noah Pink and starring Taron Egerton. I'm going to fuck up all these names. I apologize. Nikita, <laughs> <laughs> Nikita Efremov, Sofia Lebedeva, Anthony Boyle, Toby Jones, and Roger Allen. It is based on the true events around the race to license and patent the video game Tetris in the late 1980s during the Cold War. So Tetris premiered at the South by Southwest Film Festival on March 15th, 2023, and was released on March 31st, 2023 by Apple TV+. Uh, the film has received positive reviews with praise to the soundtrack and the performances. Uh, so <laughs> we've all heard of Tetris, right? <laughs> That's not the thing that's uncommon here. Uh, but yeah, the circumstances surrounding it. So um, I was doing a little bit of, of digging into Wikipedia. Um, Alexei Pajitnov in 1985 created this game on his computer. And... Um, a, a kind of a cult favorite was born in Russia. And now mind you, he didn't have like the, the device that he created this game on didn't even have a graphics card. So the original Tetris, the original game, the blocks were brackets side by side to create the squares that were the pieces. So he used his uh, TI-83 graphing calculator? <laughs> Essentially, essentially, I think that's the what TI eighty three was. was even more powerful than what they had back then. Oh my god, <laughs> probably, probably. Um, but it uh, it became such a big thing that it, it this is now during like the tail. I don't want to say the height of the tail end of like communist Russia. So he eventually worked with the government or or, or managed to sell some of the rights to the West. And this is at a point where Russia has essentially closed itself off from the world. I mean, not so much unlike what it's doing nowadays, but we're not going to get into that. Uh, and the, oh God, was it? Uh, Mirrorsoft had acquired or come, come into what they believed were possession of the rights to it. And we're showcasing an arcade game of Tetris at CES in Las Vegas in 1988. Enter our protagonist. Um, I was I want to call him Hank. Hank, Hank Rogers, played by Taron Egerton, who was at CES trying to kind of sell his own game, the game that he had developed with bulletproof, um, bulletproof games, to the point where and like the movie starts out basically saying that his movie was so boring that not even the girl he hired as like the showgirl was interested in it. But then she gets kind of brought over to play Tetris, and then he sees the game, and that's the the inciting incident for this. So he works through, like, he's being funded by a bank, he's not paid it back, tries to then get the money to become the developer of Tetris, ends up in a deal with Nintendo of America, and chaos ensues, because with Mirrorsoft technically owning the rights, and the they strike a deal for him to become the developer for the game. And then in the process, sell away the rights for the arcade games to um, is it Atari or Sega. One of the two companies right now it's, it's uh, escaping me, but it becomes this whole thing where he 
then gets brought to Nintendo's headquarters in Seattle and is introduced, has to sign an NDA because, and this is in the trailer if you've watched it, he has shown something that only 10 other people have seen and they don't trust him, but they show him the Game Boy. And it was originally going to be packaged with um, Super Mario Land. And he convinces them in the process to that if they want to sell, if they want to sell 20 million units to kids, package it with Mario. But after he kind of brings up the code on on the computer because the dimensions roughly work from a PC to the, the handheld device, pulls up Tetris and says, if you want to sell a million copies to everybody, package it with Tetris. And then the bulk of the, the rest of the film is the chaos around trying to secure these handheld rights and the corruption within the KGB in Soviet Russia and Gorbachev and Mirosoft. Um, when Hank goes to Russia under false pretense, because again, Russia closed itself off so much, you you had to go through months and months of process in order to get um, the proper credentials for like a business trip. So he lies and says he is going there as a tourist, ends up uh, barging his way into the government owned company that that is the the rights holder, the company behind Tetris. We meet Alexi, who is the creator of the game, all of this craziness, but they essentially get so pissed at uh, at Hank that his his tourist translator he finds out is a KGB agent and they ransack his, his apartment or the, the hotel room that he's at. They actually send uh, KGB members to his home in Tokyo because he's, he is uh, Dutch born raised in New York, living in Tokyo with his wife and his children. Um, and, and just kind of like all of like the, the, the chaos, which is, I guess where the thriller part of it comes in. It was a bit more, edge of my seat than i was expecting for a movie about tetris <laughs> but it definitely it definitely was well done one of the things that stuck out for me was transitionally when they were showing uh change of scenery from london to tokyo to the u.s to russia they went into 8-bit kind of like the 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 scene would change into an eight bit, and then we would see like a plane flying. I know I talked about this. I don't know if anybody else ended or did watch this. Did anybody see Console Wars, the 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 film about the downfall of Sega? No. Okay. Was this a so, mini series? Uh, yeah. No. I. I. It was. Was that a mini series? No. It was like a. It was like a two hour film. But mm-hmm. they did a lot of the same things where, because it was talking about Sega, and there was a lot of this is where, um, like Sonic and the advent of Mortal Kombat and like going to court and all that, they used a lot of interstitial eight bit um, uh, footage, and mm-hmm. this film really from the minute that it did it that that first eight bit interstitial came up, I was like, oh wow, this has that same type of feel. Um, so it was a lot of fun because it 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 never really made it hokey or cheesy or kid like but you got a feel of the nostalgia the the it's 1988 and this is the type of games that were out there you know 
at that point mario brothers was was big and there, there were some pieces of it like zelda even all of that had been out and it just it transported you back in time without feeling jarring um there's one point where they're being chased by the kgb and they like kind of shrink or not shrinking but like there's a, an oncoming truck and the car that they're in is just small enough to kind of scrape by the side of it. And the car like will have a, an, an overlay and like eight bit. And it just, there were pieces of it that almost felt, made it feel like a game. And it just added to the, the atmosphere and the aura of what it was. So that was, that was a lot of fun to see in addition to everything. The other thing, and it was mentioned here in the, the wiki uh, description that I read the soundtrack, the music that they put with it. Like there are some things that are, that are kind of easy and fun. Um, like uh, uh, opportunities. Let's make lots of money by the pet shop boys. Like that's just, you know, that's a normal song. It's of its time. It, it fits the theme. Great. The first thing that I noticed they're in Japan because he's, dealing with you know with nintendo and his family and they're they're living in japan there is a japanese cover of holding out for a hero that plays in the background and i was like that's awesome like it's just this like random cover of, of holding out for here and i'm like beautiful it's it's of the time it's taking into account where this film is at right now like what the actual setting is even better is that later in the film, I, I think actually during the chase scene that I was just referencing, Holding Out for a Hero plays again, but it is a cover, this time in Russian. And I was like, thank you for giving me the music in the area that I am in. <laughs> and it just, like, it was a lot of fun. Um, there's a beautiful song that um, his daughter is performing in there. Like, she has a, a school performance. And it's this... Um, like Japanese operatic style song. I, I, I may be describing that poorly, but um, they they show it once during like the actual school performance and then uh, a little later in the, the film. And it's just, it's a beautiful piece of music. Everything just felt right. And it felt very connected. Um, they use the final countdown by Europe uh, during one scene because uh, as, as Alexi says, good ideas trans... Uh, uh, transcend language and they're all like you know they're all singing the final countdown in, in English together it's it's ridiculous but it all works so bravo to the person who who put um, the the soundtrack together for the film but it was definitely something I wasn't expecting um, I know we talked about this the last time when Eric uh, when this was your one-up that Originally, when I saw like a Tetris movie trailer, I thought it was almost a parody or kind of like a, a jokey fun type of thing. And then watching the trailer, I was like, okay, this is a little crazy. And then like watching the film made it even more insane. And then at the end, because it is based on true events, it goes through like what happened with some of the characters, like the, the people that were part of the story. And they, it is batshit insane. Like the the head of Mirrorsoft, like um, draining pension funds, like nine million dollars out of the pension funds, and being five billion in debt. 
and then his son being brought up on charges after after the mysterious death of his father and then um in 19 the, the one thing that it doesn't really talk about is that the rights to tetris ended up reverting back to alexei who in communist Russia had no rights to this and would is was the only one in the entire picture that stood to make nothing from uh, from the licensing and the selling of the rights to the game. But in 1996, the rights reverted back to him and he and Hank created the Tetris company and the Tetris company has been the rights holder and the one to be in behind the production of Tetris to this day. And I think when we talked about it last, Tetris is the third highest selling game of all time behind like yeah. Minecraft and Fortnite, I think, at this point. I think those were the two that we we talked about. Um, and then Hank's daughter, Maya, is now the CEO of the Tetris company. Like it's it, it was such a nice little like kind of cap to see everything. Um, but it was really cool to watch. Like So if you're of a certain age. And you came of age and, you know, the nostalgia of seeing the original Game Boy box will move you in ways that you didn't expect to be moved. I suggest taking two hours out of your day if you have Apple Apple TV Plus and giving this a watch. And uh, I think what shocked me the most was that it was $90 for a Game Boy. Like, I feel like that was a lot and not a lot all at the same time in 1989. <laughs> Um, but it made me nostalgic because I did have an original Game Boy and uh, that was that was really kind of it, it was amazing to see all of that kind of happening uh, in what had happened in the background of something that was a huge part of my childhood. So anybody have any plans? I know, Eric, as you're one up, uh, you were looking forward to watching it. Have you had a chance or you do you still have it on your list of things to watch? It's still on my list of things to watch. Um, yeah, I was going to watch it on the plane uh, when I took a trip last weekend, but I ended up sleeping both directions. So <laughs> can't happens. imagine I why you do that. <laughs> um, <laughs> I watched the first um, 15, 20 minutes of it, and it's not at all uh, a bad sign that I stopped. I think I watched it because I was like, just so curious when it came out. And then just didn't have the time to finish it. Um, but it is great to see. It's from Marv, which is, uh, uh, what's his name? Is it something Vaughn. I always get his name screwed up. But he did like Kingsman Matthew and Vaughn. Eddie the Eagle. Matthew Vaughn, thank you. So like I, I knew it would have a certain bombastic style, uh, which was very evident in the first couple scenes. And, you know, it gave me uh little little triggers and little memories from uh, halt and catch fire which i never finished but is an amazing show in a similar era maybe a little before this is set about like software development and kind of early days hardware pc all that stuff and they get into online gaming and stuff so anyway uh i i am such a nostalgia nut because that is absolutely my era i had that stupid game boy with tetris I played Tetris. There was I think, nothing on my... stupid about that thing. It was no, amazing no, no. in it, every way. It, Except it's... it wasn't backlit. So playing in the car at night, you'd be like, okay, here comes a street light. Okay. Oh, no, you have to buy that dark. stupid like, magnifying <laughs> yeah. uh, oh, yes. light thing. Yeah. That... 
They had the gooseneck, yep. or they had the the, the magnifier with the lights. That that like oh, yeah, the yeah. I had the, one I had the magnifier with the light and the yes. speakers on the side. That was all yes. folded out. Was, I think yeah, I think in my plugged everything in. The battery lasted all of five minutes. <laughs> oh my god! I think in my head that's my trigger. It's that's why I was frustrated. But but no, it was the the Game Boy never left my side for years. In fact, I just pulled out my 3ds, which is like, and I mean, Switch is kind of a descendant in its own way of that era too. But uh, yeah, I'm very excited to finish this movie and uh, and and enjoy the delightful nostalgia and uh, the crazy story of it, it just explains why like the Tetris on my PC didn't look like the Tetris on the on the Game Boy and that didn't look like the one on the arcade like understanding that and gaming rights is 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 pretty uh, pretty cool to uh, to see the real story so or or it's the tr- the real adapted tarted up to make it fun story it's honestly when you get to the part about why like there's a part about the the NES versus the PC like that piece of it like all of these things I I know that it's not a hundred percent like biograph like this is the God's honest like this is exactly what happened partially because there are things in there that I'm sure no one was talking about or would confess to but it it it's such it, it was done very well I was very surprised with how it is and I think you'll enjoy it for the music like I did and. And when you start to see um, more of those kind of 8-bit interstitial pieces, it'll give you even more of a, uh, a nostalgia kick than you than you might expect for it. So, yeah, looking forward to hearing what you have to say, Eric, when you get a chance to watch it. BJ, if you have a way, I don't know if you have Apple TV or not. If you do, I, I, I highly recommend uh, giving it a watch. I'm I'm probably going to invest in a lot of streaming stuff coming up here soon seeing as I'm going to be deployed for 30 days in Puerto Rico and I'll be I'll get out and ad- and adventure but I'm also going to be stuck underneath an airport for probably about 4 hours 5 hours a day um so uh there's a there's a strong chance that uh I may have some extra uh time to uh finally knock out shows that I've been meaning to finish as well as video games I've been meaning to finish so uh, hopefully once uh, I come back and I'm on an episode, I will have a laundry list of things. Yeah, we're going to have to have your own. Definitely on the list. You're going to have your own like couple of episodes where you just go over the things, <laughs> your pop culture moments. BJ's pop culture roundup for uh, for this month. It'll be its own little separate episode. Uh, and and before I forget, since you mentioned going to Puerto Rico, uh, make time to go to the Bioluminescent Bay. There are, I think, two. Um mm. On the island, I went to the one in the south, on the south shore of the island. Um, For any listeners who may not know what a bioluminescent bay is, there is a type of, I think it's an algae. That Uh, Yeah, it's an algae and a bacteria. When disturbed, uh, it it emits a light or, or kind of a little glow. And there are certain areas, and Puerto Rico has two different little little harbors that you... Depending on, I think, time of year and what's going on, you can either um, swim out to or take a little boat out to and then jump into the water and swim around and it's like you're swimming in stars. Or you can take a glass boat, um, little kind of cruise around. And when you look down in the, uh, through the glass bottom, you can just kind of see it shimmering and sparkling like it's stars. It was really pretty. And, and I highly recommend anybody that has a chance. I know San Diego, I believe, has a, uh, a phosphorescent bay. There are a couple around uh, in certain parts of uh, the world, but I highly recommend it. That was one of my favorite things that I did when I went to 
Puerto Rico as an adult. Just putting that out there. Uh, but yeah, I'd give um, I'd give Tetris a I see I, I juggle on this one. I w- kind of want to give it a four. I kind of want to give it a three and a half. I'll give it a three point seven five. Um, I just think it was I think it was a, a fun a fun movie and not what I was expecting at all. So Tetris on Apple TV Plus. Um, give it a give it, give it a check. Try it out. See if you like it and uh, let us know what you think. Dear listeners, thanks so much for hanging out with us. We're excited to continue all of our podcasting shenanigans with you. Check us out online, flameonshow.com, patreon.com forward slash flameonshow. All right, let's do a quick round of uh, one-ups. So let's uh, let's go back around the way that we started. Uh, Brian, why don't you give us your one-up? So as we ref- talked about earlier, I was in Japan recently and uh, had an amazing time. I got to do drag in Japan, which was kind of a surreal, bizarre experience, especially because I did on St. Patrick's Day at a Navy uh, sailor bar in downtown Sasebo. And it was insane uh, and surreal to do that. But uh, the thing that was giving me life, besides being and getting to do all these cool things in Japan, was right when I was on my way out, uh, one of my favorite set of streamers uh, and YouTube personalities, uh, what do they call them, influencers, blah, whatever, uh, were doing a cyclothon across Kyushu, which is the area of Japan I was in. And at first I was like, oh my God, I actually could go find these yahoos and like get a, get a selfie or just say hi. Didn't work out probably for the best because it's kind of weird. Kind of won't be creepy about it. But uh, if you are interested in Japan, if you are into anime and gaming and Japanese culture in general, uh, I've mentioned them on the show before, but Chris Broad does a lot of YouTube stuff uh, outside the podcast. Highly, highly, highly recommend his content. Amazingly professional, uh, well done, very personable uh, English guy who lives in Japan now. His fiance, Sharla, has been around forever, also in Japan, has her own channel that is really great. And a little more on the um, everyday life, lots of cats, that kind of thing. Uh, and the cycling guys wise, uh, the other cycler was Chris and Connor Dog VA, who is, I guess he started as a voice actor, but his main presence now is through his uh, podcast called Trash Taste. And uh, he and uh, uh, Chris cycled like a complete loop all the way around Kyushu going through several places that I have spent a lot uh, spent time and just seeing his videos. He like live streamed it on Twitch with a camera over his shoulder while he was biking. So you can sit there and I do this. I, I have done this for eight hours at a stretch. Just watch. You can, you can mute it. You can listen to the crazy audio, him talking and his uh, text to speech from his fans on Twitch or whatever, but it's just like countryside, highways city from a bicycle all the way around Kyushu. Uh, so look, uh, look for that. If you're interested in that kind of content, uh, Connor C dog VA or Chris broad, uh, broad in Japan. Uh, just, it was such a delight to like relive some of my past experiences through them, but also like just, um, calming, like low five vibes feel <laughs> for, for, for cycling around Japan. So, uh, yeah, definitely worth watching and i think they're going to do another one i don't know when uh but you should definitely check them out and uh see what's next honestly i've heard one of those names before that's right because after you're here on a work trip to visit havoc 
that's half of what my YouTube videos are. I, I may have uh, uh, changed your algorithm a bit, but uh, I think you also would appreciate a lot of the uh, stuff that they do in there. And oh, one more thing. So uh, one of the things I learned from Chris Broad, I think, or maybe it was Connor, I don't remember, is if you're in a crane game, uh, you know, if you're in an arcade and they have the crane games that, you know, you get things. If you're really stuck and you're just throwing yen into this machine, you can ask an attendant for help. And I did it in Japanese, and I was very proud of my my very meager Jap- Japanese uh, speaking skills. But uh, they, it was a Final Fantasy fourteen figurine, and uh, it was I was like the one thing I wanted. I didn't care about anything else. I just want this one little stupid figurine. And he uh, he saw where the the position on the the rails are, and he like repositioned it. So basically, all I had to do was like touch it and it fell in so after like 2000 yen of uh trying i finally got my little stupid uh figurine from final fantasy 14 which is adorable and i love it forever but yes that are the kind of things you can learn from these uh these guys on the youtube so so check them out and uh yeah tell tell them that flame on sent them because someday uh if we could only dream of a collab that'd be uh that'd be pretty epic very nice eric what is your one up so my one up is going to be the third season of Ted Lasso on Apple TV Plus. It's six episodes have aired as of today's uh, recording, four nineteen, um, and I like the season. There's not going to be probably anything that makes me not like the season. However, it does feel a little off compared to the first two seasons. Um, I think in the second season, they worked through a lot of their past trauma by introducing the sports psychologist who came in and kind of diagnosed everybody, worked through, uh, helped Ted work through a lot of his uh, panic attack issues. Um, But now they all seem a little different directionless and don't really know where to move forward and that's kind of what the season's um working on so it feels in a little bit of a weird place right now but i think uh with this most recent episode everything's going to change and move forward again Um, i was about to ask you if you saw the most recent one when they go to spoilers they go to amsterdam okay big spoiler right yeah you saw that yeah 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 Yeah. and um honestly Okay, I'll spoil this. Uh, Ted goes to the uh, uh, art museum and sees a lot of Vincent van Gogh works. And that just brought me back to the Doctor Who episode with Vincent. And I was just like, oh, just looking at sunflowers. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I just want to go back there. <laughs> um, um, and then he went to the American uh, restaurant, which was hilarious, um, to see how uh, a European countries uh, view America and what America food, American food is and all that. And uh, it was just a lot of fun. And I, I, I hope they redeem Nate. I think they will. They've softened him through the season. Um, they have like yeah. a couple arcs going. And again, I don't want to spoil too much, but there's a lot of, this is the darkest before the dawn sort of idea, right? There's a lot of existential crises and sort of things that are challenging the characters this season. It does feel a little all over the place and th- not thematically all over, but just 
not as uh not as exciting not as funny at times but but very endearing in a lot of ways and i think this was like you said that turn corner moment where oh okay now we can go now we can change things or not and that's the thing i keep i keep debating whether or not this show is even going to go there because a lot of the show isn't about how it is to win but how it is to accept the life you have and learn to love the like learn to love yourself and like so who knows it's such a great series the only thing i will say we need another coach beard odyssey because I you really love this episode. Almost. <laughs> I was so, oh, I was so cock tease. I swear to God. Um, that is the best episode of season two. I think, uh, at least to me, that is a character I could, I, I and I know you, you shouldn't get a lot of him because it takes the mystery away and it kind of, it would be less interesting, but oh my God. So, so great. Anyway. So yes, I, I also heartily endorse your, your one up. It is giving me life too. Very nice. Very nice. BJ, what have you got? So I went and saw a little movie uh, called uh, Super Mario Brothers not too long ago. Um, <clears throat> and without getting, because I know we're like definitely going to be doing this thing. Like, I think so. It's kind of like. It, they re released like, one from the 90s, the John Hopkins a, film. It's a remake of a John Hopkins Bob, film. Bob, it's animated for Bob, some reason. Bob Hopkins. Oh, John, Bob, yeah. <laughs> John Leguizamo. John Leguizamo. Oh, you combine um, the two actors into one. <laughs> oh, man. Um, but yeah, we're obviously going to be talking about it in further detail once everybody sees it. Um, I will say uh, as far as characterizations go they did a bang up job um there's a lot more to the characters than you know the mario brothers as a whole doesn't have a lot of depth to its characters it's because it's always been a pretty simple premise um they change it up slightly i love what they did with peach um everybody brought their a game and in all honesty uh i i didn't hate chris pratt um i will say he does a good job um i, I see honestly I, I honestly just forgot it was him throughout the yeah, movie yeah 100 the best possible way right yes 100 percent. it's it's he's he was the flesh that they picked to play the character and honestly no matter who they picked they were probably going to do a brooklyn accent um and yeah, there were some really laugh out loud funny moments. Um, but the, I will say the utilization, how every voice actor was utilized in this movie was probably perfect. Like this is a masterclass on how you, it, not the casting, but how you do the most with what you have. And it's a, it's a really tight 90 minutes. So clearly it's the start of a franchise um which is fine because all i want is a luigi's mansion movie um that's that's really all i want i think with the with the luigi's voice actor which i think is charlie day um Mm -hmm. would be i i could listen to charlie day be scared luigi for an entire movie um because he's just he's got really good comedic timing so yeah um yeah they'll very easily be a donkey kong country movie since how uh, Diddy and uh, Dixie were in it. I'm sure. <laughs> so yeah, so yeah, they, like there's a ton they can do if this is successful enough, which I think it's approaching one billion dollars worldwide. Um, 
I would love to see like I would love to see Illuminations do a Legend of Zelda series a movie. Um, I would love to see Illum- Illuminations animated. They literally animated the hell out of this movie. Um, so I'm really, really, really excited to see if Illuminations is going to get a couple more Nintendo uh, Nintendo contracts because I would love to see what they do with Kirby. Um, hopefully that would lean into a Super Smash Brothers film. Could you imagine um, a Star Fox movie? Uh, Star so Fox good. movie. I mean, the furries are already uh, on full art alert with Bowser, Jack Black, Bowser, <laughs> and Donkey Kong. Uh, <laughs> so, oh, but Bowser has been rule thirty for a long time. Yes, yes. This yeah. just ensured that it will be forever. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I would definitely love to see what Illuminations does if they do a, po- a Pokemon film. Um, so yeah, so absolutely uh, super excited to see what the future holds for the franchise. So definitely go see it if you have not seen it. I would love to hear a couple of hot takes um, if somebody didn't like it. Uh, so definitely go to our Facebook or our Twitter page and light it up. Um, but no, I'm very. It was it was really fun. It was just a really feel good movie, and I will probably sneak into it after I watch Evil Dead Rise this week. Um, <laughs> it's a palate cleanser. <laughs> Very good. All right. I'm going to keep this quick. I have a couple of really fast ones. So Darren Hayes in New York City uh, for his Do You Remember tour. Going to see him again tomorrow night from when we're recording this. Um, so good in person. So good live. Uh, it was great. And it it certain songs hit me in ways that I did not expect. And spent the first third of the concert essentially just bawling my eyes out. So excited to do that again tomorrow, possibly. Did you have a cherry cola or a chicka cherry uh, cola? I'm I am right now. <laughs> mm. I want you. I don't know if I need you, but who I'd die to find out. Uh, <laughs> um, Bara Ganondorf from the newest trailer for Tears of the Kingdom. I oh, am God. so excited for May twelfth. They know uh, they were doing. Does his nose get any bigger? Uh, hmm? mm. I mean, mm. Mm. <laughs> listen, mm. it's too much video game thirst going on. So we'll see uh, what all of that is about because there are lots of unanswered questions. Uh, I'm excited to play this game and. Uh, I, I'm excited to dive back into that world. I haven't played Breath of the Wild in a long time, so I'm excited to uh, see what this story is going to entail. And then also, uh, the Marvels released their first teaser trailer. I love that teaser trailers oh are now two God. minutes long, um, but it continues the play off of the um, end credit scene from Ms. Marvel and shows us the kind of... Uh, a teleporting when using their powers of the three different Marvel based uh, Ms. Marvel Captain Marvel Photon is that what we're calling her have we no I don't know if we have given a name to her yet Photon either Spectrum or Photon yeah I think I think though from her the look of her she's uh, she's Photon but light based Marvel Ms. Marvel all those characters but it looks really fucking good it looks like it's going to be a lot of fun, and I am super stoked to see it when it comes out uh, in November, if I'm not mistaken. Um, subject to change on a Marvel schedule. We all know that. 
Um, but there's a bunch of Marvel stuff coming up that I'm I'm super stoked to to see, and um, this just made me super happy when I when I saw the trailer. So uh, if you haven't uh, listened to Darren Hayes in a while, go check it check him out and check out his music. If uh, you haven't seen the Breath of the Wild trailer, uh, watch that and get ready for May 12th, and then uh, check out the Marvel trailer and let us know what you think. Everybody, thanks so much for your pop culture insights. And thank you to everybody that's listened. We'll be back in two weeks with another podcast for your listening pleasure. Till then, bye, bitches. Bye. Bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.